0: Sure, let's focus on money, but let's also focus on where can we get this joy from within? Can we be more present? What if we can't be present? Maybe we have a lot of our own skeletons that need to be addressed before we can sit still, talk calmly, be with the people we're with. And like, we got emotional skeletons. We got mental skeletons. We got financial skeletons. We got all these things. And I think the sooner we kind of start doing some house cleaning and get those skeletons Cleaned up, cleaned out. That's when a lot starts happening.
1: Welcome to the Rising Leader Podcast, bringing forth the new wave of rising leadership and helping leaders find purpose, connection, and results. This is your host, founder of Alluvians, Alex Kremer. All right, welcome back to the Rising Leader Podcast. And if this is your first time here joining us on the show, it's a very warm welcome to you. This is your host, Alex Kremer, and I am very excited about this conversation here today. I've been talking about having my good friend Kyle Tucker on the podcast for, I think, honestly, even before I started this podcast, because every single time... We get in a room, we get dinner, we get on a phone conversation, we just start having wonderful and powerful conversations, so I cannot wait to dive in here. So first off, Mr. Kyle Tucker, what's up, man? Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is... Long time coming, and thanks for having me,
1: Alex. You got it, man. Well, hey, let me get a little intro on you, and I'll let you fill in the gaps where I'm missing. Like I said, I've known Kyle for I think it's about seven years now, somewhere along those lines. Kyle is not just a very close friend, he's also a mentor, he's also a coach. Uh, In his personal life, he is an entrepreneur. He is an investor. He's a real estate agent. He is one of the top 1% in terms of Utah realtors. He's a wealth coach both to myself as well as to many others all across the world now at this point. And seriously, if you are trying to learn not just about real estate, but also how to build wealth, Kyle Tucker is one of the best people to go to. And on a personal note, we've been a part of leadership trainings, leadership communities together for many years. We've traveled to Guatemala together. We've traveled to Dominica together. And he resides in the beautiful state of Utah. And luckily, him and his wife, Leah, just purchased a spot out here in Brooklyn. So I get to see him just a little bit more often. And I think one of the unique things about Kyle's story is before he actually got into real estate, before he got into becoming a coach and wealth development, he was actually an engineer within the tech world. So he's very intimate in many different types of spaces here. And I think that's just what makes his story really unique and also really powerful. The last thing I'll say, and then Kyle lets you fill in the blanks. I love how Kyle views the world. There is just this type of mindset of, put me in, coach. This sounds scary. This sounds big. Let's do it and the excitement that comes from it. And uh, he's one of those guys that just when he starts talking, you're like, bro, let me just ask you questions and just listen and soak in. Kyle, that is my intro for you. That is my background for you. Tell us, what did I miss there?
0: Oh, man. I don't know what you missed. I'll maybe just provide some detail. I just, just to get going again, appreciate being here. I appreciate you. And I I don't know how much you've actually spoken about your journey with everybody on here. I'm sure they'll get bits and pieces along the way, but mutually received there. of just love spending time with you, man, and you being in New York when we come out and visit. It's like a must on every single time we come. Let's go out. Let's hang out. Let's do something. So just appreciate the friendship. Appreciate the journey. Yeah. So just stepping back to provide some additional detail for folks is was in the tech scene, some kind of specific details. I worked for two different unicorns for a period. The first one I helped IPO, and I was up and coming. This was near from when I left college and really contributed in the consulting side of the business there. And I was a data analyst in interior or um, inside operations team. So I was automating things just essentially I got to the point by the time I left that company, I think I had automated like seven jobs, like seven human beings jobs or something. And I provided a lot of value, but it was interesting because I handcuffed myself because nobody wanted me to leave because that role needed me to run those seven people spots essentially. So I only bring that up from the very beginning because like the throw me in coach attitude is it's just part of my DNA. It's give me a challenge, give me something to work with. I just want to figure out how to do this. Do it maybe better than we've ever done it and maybe do it differently than we've ever done it. And that's your message on this podcast, Alex. What are some things we've known historically and how leaders have led and how do we do that differently? So the beginning of my journey starts there at that tech company. And then I eventually end up at the second one and preparing them for IPO. And uh, I was running the analyst and data science team that we partnered one-on-one with the executives at that firm to make powerful decisions. So it was a very interesting time because we had to be very objective, right? We're not the decision makers. We're not the ones deciding what's happening at this company, but we are right there next to the most crucial pieces of the business. And we're providing the information. I specifically for a period worked for our chief marketing officer. And then obviously when I was managing the team, I worked more intimately with the CFO, the marketing officer, still the sales officer, head of sales, I think we called him something like that. But um these roles definitely are empowered with data. And so while I was there, I loved what I did. It was a financial tech company. And all along the way, I'm building my own financial independence, you could call it. Picking up rentals, doing small things. They hadn't really put a ton of time and energy into it, but definitely kept it up. The time comes, and this is when I knew you and others, there was a lot that influenced me in our leadership program that we've been part of. Encouraged me of, hey, you've actually done some really cool stuff for yourself you should start helping others do it. And I was like, yeah, but I love my job and I love doing that. And I had my arm pulled to start the journey of helping others build wealth through real estate and being someone who's in data and who's in operations, like efficiency is so important. I always talk about how I can make a dollar go further than most people can. And that's still something that I do for folks. But Here I am. I'm in tech. I finally decide I'll get my real estate license. I'll start helping people doing what I'm doing. And this is kind of a fork in the road. The why starts to happen. I got two pathways happening real time. I'm trying to lead a team at a tech company that's very strong, up and coming. We were doing well. And I got the opportunity to work individually with people in their own homes. And what did that look like? What did that feel like? It just, for me, the impact was closer to the heart. And the passion was there. And somehow between the two, the passion was alive in both. And like, I want to be very specific about this. A lot of people may not love where they're at. They may not love their gig. I loved what I did. I loved the company I was at. And I was torn. I'm like, I'm doing these two things that I love both of them. And then the 16 hour days just started to wear. Because I was putting in the time at work. I joke about it, but it wasn't a joke at the time. 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. was real estate, helping people. Tech was 8 or 9 a.m. start to noon. And then lunch break, I'd do real estate for people. I'd even run and do a showing during lunch and eat on the car on the way. And then i come back to my desk, get to work for tech. And then 5 p.m., I'd be doing real estate again from 5 to 10, 10, 11 p.m. at night. So I was just putting in the time. And uh, that candle eventually burned out. And I came to a point where I'm like, I'm not performing to my best ability for either party. And I'm going to make the decision to go independent and help people full-time on my own. And it was a bittersweet moment to depart from tech, depart from a W-2, depart from the security that comes with that, and to really go off onto my own. And that was the beginning of kind of my second life, I'd call it. And it's been just an incredible time since then. And, Filled with so much magic, I keep doing what I'm doing. I've continued to buy, I've continued to help others learn how to grow wealth. And you mentioned real estate, that's primarily what I do and what I help people with, real estate acquisition. And there's a lot of benefits to that. But that's just the vehicle. That's the vehicle of building wealth. We talk about some concepts and principles that exist in the wealth space that how do we apply them to real estate and how does this kind of all work together? And off we go. And I've got clients from complete opposite ends of the scale. I think my client on this end, that's the roughest t- as maybe someone, they were about 60 grand in debt when I started working with them, helped them get completely debt-free. And today they have their own primary residence and one rental. So that's where they're at on their journey. But they went from negative to here we are, debt-free, primary residence, rental property. And they talk to me fairly frequently and they're so happy. They're working on another rental. That's over here. And then on the other side, it's like, I do work with some really high profile individuals, sales reps that make half a million to a million a year. Some reps that are higher than that. I do work with a CEO of a firm and just being their back pocket ninja. These people are so good at what they do that they focus on that. And I'm the guy that takes care of the wealth and the finance behind the scenes for them. And that's to empower them on their journey as they're focused on being a leader, on being someone that produces and creates for their business. And I think that's where I'll wrap and let you take the mic back over, but just to give the perspective of who I'm working with, what I'm doing. And I guess every day is different for me. There's a lot of things we're involved in, but all of it's to ultimately build wealth for independence so that we can be the people. They were meant to be on this planet and really have the space and energy to love and feel and be with those that we care about, whether that's home or work or whatever it might be.
1: I love what you say when you say you're not just a realtor and you're not here just to help people make money. That's definitely an aspect of what you do. But what I've always respected about you and something that you've also very much supported me on my journey is it's something so much bigger than that. The real estate, the investing is really a conduit to find more space, to find more purpose and enjoyment and doing it with people that you enjoy. And I can even relate it to myself of working within tech for the past 15 years. It's a grind. There are certain parts of it. You're working from 7 a.m. until 7 p.m. certain days. You're working on weekends certain days. And it's very, at times, monotonous. And it's, okay, it's a classic question of, am I living to work or am I working to live right here? I still remember you had a defining moment that you shared with me. I don't know if this was three years ago or what it was about that finding space. Even just hearing your story of working pretty much the full day, first working in tech and then going to real estate. And now you're really trying to find a lot more space on your calendar. So you're not having to play Tetris as much.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we were talking about this recently, last time we were out there with you in New York at dinner, it was actually a more recent thing through actively, I'm always in some sort of a program, making sure that I have coaches and help and support. I think that's very valuable, no matter where you are on your journey. But this past kind of six to eight months is where I think we've gotten even deeper in this space. And for me personally, there's different profile types. Okay. And the one that we were discussing and this one specifically is human design. And for those out there that understand human design, I'm a projector. If that resonates with anybody, testing generators are some of the other roles. But as a projector, I can get overwhelmed that I'm not one that wants to necessarily bore straight into the spotlight, be watched and be given the mic. It's I love to support. I love to help. I love to be invited to be like, hey, man, we have this awesome idea. We want to crush it. And it's like when I help people with wealth, just a small example is, yeah, if I'm out there trying to sell my services, I get really uncomfortable. I actually don't really do that. I let people come to me and ask me for help. And then I jump in. We're all in. Put me in coach. So what you're getting at with this kind of like step back idea is the decision came to me and the statement that I say, like the manifestation is I am continually amazed at the abundance that flows before me, the more and more I step back. And the practice, it's like, what does that mean? How does that apply to your life? The practice for me is I committed, it was towards the latter part of last year, that through 2023, I would not fill my work calendar. with more than the day than just work, but I wouldn't fill my work calendar with more than half booked. This is interesting. I said, like, what are you doing the rest of the day? Things have come up. There's people that have needed me in that time. There's space that I've had. I mentioned to you, like I'm actually reading fiction right now, which I haven't done in who knows how long, 10 plus years. I might get in a sauna or do a cold plunge in that same bit there. But it's like having the space to make sure I am at the frequency and the capacity so that when I do jump on the calls or when I'm open in the afternoon and you give me a ring or someone gives me a ring, I'm there for it. And the previous me, we were booked full time and it was like, oh, hey, Alex, you want to talk? Here's my Calendly. We'll talk next Wednesday at 2 p.m. But now I'm there to be there real time for people. And it's been pretty game-changing for me, both on how I feel, because I'm constantly monitoring my performance and how I'm showing up, and then how they're being taken care of in the moment, like having that fully available me to help all the things they're doing. So it's been pretty cool. How do
1: you do that? Because I mean- hypothetically speaking, I would love to find more space on my calendar. That sounds wonderful. I would love to say, hey, if I've got an eight-hour day, a 10-hour day, I'm only working half of that or at least having meetings. And the other times I'm able to be more open and free and spontaneous of actually holding space for people. So what were some of the things that you actually had to do? Did you have to start saying no to things? Is that what it's caused? Did you just had to reprioritize and start cutting things out?
0: Yeah, I think up front, it comes with architecting your time by design. That might work best for someone if you're actively in tech right now and you need to take your calendar and maybe block certain sections off. It's like, instead of whipping out emails all throughout the day, it's like, hey, I knock my emails out in one hour. And then there's a three-hour production period. And then there's a four-hour, I'm available for meetings during this window. Someone tries to meet in the other periods, you're like, hey, I'm not available. Sorry. Like We make ourselves so available to everyone But like the person we're forgetting most is ourselves, right? Yeah, schedule the meeting. Yeah, I get on my calendar. Yeah, we're available. But it's like keep those sacred times, block out how you produce as sacred time and produce during that time. And then let the rest of the time be there for people to book up. I like the idea of actually having just
1: one hour on my calendar for doing my emails because it feels like I'm so sporadically doing emails throughout the day.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, those that resonate with this as an engineer, for those that have seen the movie Inception, that's like how it feels like when you're in code. Sometimes you like literally like 30 minutes to get down to the root of the problem. And if someone pulls you, that email gets you, you're not at your maximum performance. And it makes me wonder now that we're talking about is it, like, where else in our lives is that real? We just get the little buzz, a little ping on our phone, a little this, that, and then we're not deep in the work we were doing in whatever form or facet. Yeah. So
1: one of the things that Purdue you speak about many times is you help people build wealth, right? And you're not helping people get rich, sure, in a way you are, but it's so much more than that. You're also helping people get affluence, get, get something greater. So I would love to understand from you, because this is a nuance that I think a lot of people talk about, but very few people really understand is for you, what is the difference between I want to get rich versus what you do is I want to help people build and be in wealth.
0: Yeah, it starts with vision. Okay. So it's like, why are we doing what we're doing? And I've learned that as I started to find these efficiencies and these niches in the world of money, i was handing it out everybody, here you go. And pardon my language, but it's like, I really empowered some assholes to be bigger assholes. It's like, bro, shoot, what did we just do there? And so there started to come a lot of intentionality. Like That's when I was trying to gain my stripes, like any time at bat, I wanted to get it back, right? And then I'm like, oh, wow. We just keep smacking them out of the park. This tends to work for most people. I like genuinely, I can get on here and say, I don't think there's a client that's upset with the experience we've had. I think everybody's, yeah, freaking love the work we did. It's helped my life. So because of that, there's a lot more intentionality now about, okay, why are we doing what we're doing? So you ask this question about wealth. Do I we want to be rich or do I want to be wealthy? And so if you come and you're like, hey, Kyle, I just really want to get the Ferrari and just I want people to look at me and I want to be the guy. I'm going to challenge you a lot because that doesn't last long. And trust me, I'll get you a Ferrari. And then six months later, you gonna be like, hey, man, I really just need to do something else at this point. I now need the Lamborghini versus Aventador versus the SVJ Aventador, right? There's two tiers of that Lamborghini, right? And it just never ends. It never ends. And so I hear the vision very much tied to wanting to be rich because rich to me is like an appearance and wealth is more of an identity. It's like, I want people that work with me to be able to go buy the Ferrari and they can and some men there's nothing wrong with the ferrari i want to be very particular about that like anybody listening nothing wrong with ferrari i want you in the position to be able to go and buy a ferrari but then you decide where to, whether or not that's you right some people listen to this yeah they little supercar zipping around it's like maybe i want that rivian truck because i really like it's new it's sleek it's fun but i kind of want to get up in the mountains and get up to the hills and go on some hikes and connect with nature yeah Let's help you get to the point where that's available. Boom. You're able to obtain it. If that makes your life a better, more rich, wholesome life. Yeah. I really think about rich is an exuding of appearance and it's not necessarily pure. And I think you know this, I call you Krem, I'm calling you Alex on this podcast, people like (laughs) Kremer. It's part of my brand is integrity. Everything I do is integrous. And like we do things that are just like, yeah, we found out the other day that someone's been overpaying us rent for a large period of time. We could just overlook that. No, we're gonna make it whole. We're gonna say, hey, you've got an extra $900 you've overpaid in the past 12 months. Totally. You're not paying full next month. We'll just credit it on your account. There was a mix up in the number. And so there's a lot of integrity. And I think that's where, when we connect rich to wealth, it's like, how is it built? That's important. How is it stewarded? It's like we're here today and it's there. How do we steward the resources we have? There's just so much more depth to wealth than there is to being
1: rich. Yeah. The way that I view it, I personally have been. For many of my years, and I would assume same for you and for many people, of trying to attain the rich, trying to, great, I just made 200000 on my W-2. Now next year I need to make three hundred. Cool. Now I need to make four hundred. This is a continual cycle and it's fleeting. It's shallow. And don't get me wrong, I'm down to make a shit ton of money. Let's do it. Because that's going to provide me an abundance of opportunities to live a certain lifestyle that I want to live. But it needs to be grounded in the fact of who is the version of ourselves that we are becoming as we are starting to attain this wealth and what are we able to do for it? And I look at so many people like, I still remember there was an old boss I had that he was a top VP of sales at this company making an absolute ton of money. And he was like, Alex, one day you could be making as much as this. And I was like, dog, I don't want to be you because you're making sure a shit ton of money, but you have kids that you're not spending time with. You're working 50, 60, 70 hours a week that you are drained. And also you're just trying to sling sass for the purpose of gaining wealth for yourself. I don't want that. I love how you call it. That's an identity shift that people have to go through. And so when you think about like your identity shift, because I've witnessed you have an identity shift tonight, and I'm witnessing it evolve in front of me every single day. We've talked before about getting hit with a feather, a brick, and a truck, right? The feather, you don't initially feel it, and then you get hit with a brick, and then you feel it a little bit more, but if you don't do anything about it, then eventually you get hit with a truck, and you're like, okay, I got to do something with this. What's been your journey of that feather, brick, and truck that's caused you to say, what am I missing here that I need to be doing? And also, translate that to even how that has become part of your message that you're teaching your clients
0: yeah feather brick and truck in my past to shift my identity and then how does that integrate with clients yeah man i don't know whether it was a feather or a brick or a truck at the time but we went through one of the hottest streaks of real estate in history during the covid times and this is crazy because depending on where the audience that's listening is on this right if you're a new yorker not a hot time during COVID. We were in Utah, outdoors, nature. and People were flooding our way. And like, I literally felt like I'm just like standing there with a racket, just trying to stay alive. Stuff coming at me. like Yeah, okay, yeah. Another deal. Let's do this. Let's take care of people. And I shared that way. Now, that's how it felt to me. We did our absolute best to be very intentional. And there were times, and this is where I want to get in the feather brick truck, but it's like, when I talked about like empowering people that I've realized maybe I shouldn't have empowered. That's when it was happening because we were just dunking deals while we could. And then I realized, huh, and I know every sales rep that's listening to this, it's in the tech world. It's like, did you ever sell your platform to someone and maybe they didn't really actually need it. But, and now they got it, but you got the commission on it. Good thing is I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing to have a piece of real estate and have those benefits. But Think of it like you just sold the best software you have. To like some evil corporation they're just going to use it to abuse and have power so that was a moment while things were hot that i was like whoa should we be careful about what we're doing and who we're empowering and so then i shifted i think that was more of the the lighter side and i shifted towards sure i'll work with you but i'm not going to forecast a five to 10 year wealth journey for you and empower you like I would actually invite those individuals to start doing some work what does it look like for you to do work on yourself and what might that turn out to look like and so interestingly enough you ask how does that go into your brand it's like I do care a lot with everyone I work with about who they are and where they're headed something I talk about most and ask people is like what makes you come most alive and that is so important to me because the aliveness is what's going to propel the days that are tough. I know for you, we've talked about you eventually maybe having the opportunity to, to coach, to do this, to work with people, to put out great messages for people. Like these have all been things in your heart and soul you've wanted to put out. And I know there was a position in, in the past 12 months. You and I talked about your personal kind of financial situation, your real estate, and you had a shift in what was going on in your life. And you give me a ring and you're like, hey, man. Uh, I'm completely pivoting directions. What do I do? And I was like, Oh shit. Like we've been building a certain way and now we're destroying the trajectory that we were going and we're going to pivot. But the beautiful thing was, is I was there to receive you, be with you, empower you. And then you're like, Oh, I'm good. Cause you panicked a little bit. You're like, I'm good. And then you were more empowered To go do the stuff that was like in your heart. That's why, when things are tough like that, because other people may like, they may fold at that point, they may cash out, they may walk away, they may say this is scary. But like that drive of who are you? What are you about? That's how we get through those tough times. And so we clearly work and build during the good times. And then the tough times, we just make sure that. We're not out of control in a good time. But we're very conservative in how we do things and making sure people are protected so that we can get through those bad times. And we just work with the person, work with the emotions and go through that. So that all in a bow, that's how it incorporates into kind of what I do today is it's not just, here's a number sheet and take your pick and call me when you're like, no, I sit down I get to know you, learn about what you care about, support you on that journey. We're going five to 10 years together. That's the kind of client that I love to work with.
1: You said something that really stuck out to me. It's what makes you more present than anything? You said something along those lines. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. Last year, we threw over four retreats and helped over 150 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders. And next... We got it going on May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area. So make sure you apply to alluvians.co to check it out for more. Like, and becoming aware of what that is. And for me, I think of what does make me stop and really be here and now with who I'm speaking with or what I'm doing and whether it be, and I actually journaled on it probably about a week or so ago. And I wrote a few things. I said, doing this podcast makes me more present than anything. Going on runs really makes me very present. Speaking or facilitating at retreats or immersions or on stage makes me really present. And also people one-on-one and doing not just the surface level, but really doing the deep, deep work. And I think that's something that I know you are really committed to of the same as me of, yo, let's go inward and let's excavate the parts. There's a lot of limiting beliefs. There's a lot of dots that might not be necessarily serving us. Let's go in there and let's really start to pull those things out. The part that I've really been discovery because I have one of you you know this gentleman Rob Renahan he's one of my coaches and one of the things that we talk about all the time is so how do we find a way to become more present what is the trigger that allows us to become more present and this is what he said to me and I found it so profound and I'm really trying to do it more and he said you can't be happy all the time. That's not, you can't just, there is the roller coaster, like your external circumstances will change and sometimes that will impact your level of happiness. But what you can have moment to moment is joy. And I was like, what do you mean? You can't have joy moment to moment. What if I get punched in the face randomly? It's a weird (laughs) example here, but how can I have joy within that? And he said, you can have joy knowing that you're being held by something and serving something that is greater than yourself. And sure, you can have joy when things are going great, when you close the deal, when you make that new relationship, whatever might be happening. But you can have joy knowing that even when you do feel like you're knocked down, it's making you stronger and it's making you move forward. And he said, it's about finding those little pieces during your day that give you joy. So for example, the other day I was walking home here in New York City in the middle of winter and all of a sudden the sun peeked out through the clouds and just nailed me right in the face. And I stopped on my walk home and I literally felt the sun hit my face. I was like, first off, I think this is the first time I've felt sun in three or four months. And I just let it bask over me and I stopped. I was like... Joy. Oh, and I felt like almost like in my heart, like it just opened up and expanded it a little bit. And even I was on a later the next day, I was on a customer call and they gave us some pretty serious objections. And honestly, I don't think we're going to win the deal per se, but there I felt joy during it because I was like, oh, these are hard questions and this is going to make us better sales professionals and better leaders. And we might need to lose this deal in order to win a future deal. And I felt joy in that. And this was the last thing that he said to me. You don't find joy from external things. You don't find joy from the sun, from the deal, from the relationship. Those things are simply the catalyst that helps you to remember the joy that we already have inside of us. It's just about igniting us. And that's just as I've been going on this journey, I'm like, how do we bring more presence to the here and now. And the way we do that is by finding joy all around us. I think you've been a great example
0: of that. I love that. Oh, man. It's really interesting just hearing that. And I appreciate it because it's actually as light and as simple and lighthearted as it is. It's so profound. And I think if you were to fully describe, like, how does my work work, like dabble in this? How does it relate? And to me, it's, I'll tell you one thing, when someone passes their active income with passive, because of what we've been working on, not overnight, it's never overnight, but over the years, I'll tell you what, they definitely behave differently in the office space. And it's if if we've all experienced, if there's a little politicking, if there's some agenda going on and step forward, if you lost your gig that day, and you're there to make a difference. You're there to make a change. You're there to be what the org needs you to be, not what somebody says they want so that they can stay on the totem pole and do their thing. There's so much empowerment given at that moment. And like, to me, it's stepping into this, like you're mentioning, it's like the joy that comes from within because it breaks my heart that the system almost says, yeah, because you're beholden to this job and you need this paycheck, you have to do what we say from time to time. Now it's okay to fall in line, but I think what I'm getting at is there's times when maybe things are out of line or maybe there's a leader that is doing something that is out of alignment or doesn't think of the best, ultimately the best thing for the organization you're in and you can step forward. And just knowing that you have the financial backing to do that, it's so empowering. And I remember when I did that and I was still in tech and I just finally felt, even though, and I'm sure we've all felt this, like we've made massive impacts in the organizations we're in. But that was a moment where like, it wasn't because I was trying, like I didn't make the impact because I was trying to earn my stripes. It was like, I made the impact because I made the impact. And it just feels different because you don't have to be there. Everybody in our circles, people we know, people we listen to, talk to. Imagine if we were all operating at that frequency where we didn't have to be there. Corporations would still exist. I think there's a very good value in them but how much better would they be? And it's unfortunately, I bring a money component into it, but I think you can tackle it from multiple angles. Sure. Let's focus on money, but let's also focus on where can we get this joy from within? Can we be more present? What if we can't be present? Maybe we have a lot of our own skeletons that need to be addressed before we can sit still, talk calmly, be with the people we're with. And like we got emotional skeletons, we got mental skeletons, we got financial skeletons, we got all these things. And I think the sooner we kind of start doing some house cleaning and get those skeletons cleaned up, cleaned out, that's when a lot starts to unlock.
1: Yeah, we have to do the work, man. That's the thing. It's We have to be looking inward to figure out who are we, man, because we've been put on this earth and told by our parents, by society, by family, friends, you name it, about who we're supposed to be and we create this image and how we're supposed to show up. One thing personally that I've consistently been working on is for many years, I always was the happy guy. And I still am a very happy guy. Growing up, I had three other sisters. I had parents who would always praise me for being smiley coaches and team members. I was always a guy smiling and laughing and having a good time. And when people used to ask me, Hey Alex, how are you doing? I used to say, I'm always great because I thought it would do two things. Number one, they would hear that I'm doing great and hopefully they would start to feel great. And number two, I would try to brainwash myself into thinking I was doing great, even if I wasn't, which is very unhealthy. And so as I've matured, I've started to realize, man, there's a massive part of me that's thought that I was supposed to be happy all the time. And underneath all that was actually sadness, was depression, was insecurity, was all that. And by going inward and starting to unravel these things and hold those parts of myself that weren't feeling so good, I've actually found as I've gotten more intimate with my sadness, with my depression, I've actually found myself become more me and more just my authentic freaking self.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm more trustable from it.
0: Yeah. This strikes a chord and tying it back to joy is, I think we confuse with like happiness and joy. Like you can still be sad and find joy in moments, right? You can still feel your depression and find the joy in moments. I feel on my journey, and I don't know where in time it started to become that way, but I look back, man. Dude, there was a time when I first knew you, probably many people that relate, but I don't think I really get on camera and say this very much. But there was a time that like, legit couldn't look this guy in the mirror. I was always just trying to be more, trying to be better, trying to up level. And it was like, it's probably anybody listening, put in the mirror after this and just go stare at yourself and be like, what the? like. You're not going to like it. Some people may absolutely love it, but there's probably some work that's been done there. And it's just like the way I live today is so different than before. And don't get me wrong. In my beforeness, it was a beautiful time. And on paper, I was everything you could want. Coming top, graduating top in class in my program, that was a top program in the country, out of university with a master's degree, going out and busting it performing at a much younger age and so many peers at the companies I was at and outperforming people. I was just crushing it. And it's the never ending hamster wheel. It's a never ending escalator. And to me, it was like, I wasn't, I sure there were moments. I'm like, yeah, we're look at us, badass. Like, but until that day came that I started doing the work and now I can stare in that mirror. Now I'm a little bit bigger of a guy. I got a belly right now. And And uh, I used to be an athlete and there was a lot of hate towards myself of, oh man, I can't do the things I used to be able to do. And there was hatred inside of myself for that. But there was this journey I went on and I've got some medical things going on, but I would just, oh, what are the people telling me I should do? I should do that fad. I should do that trend. I should do this thing. And interestingly enough, like what did it for me where the love came in is where doing that deep work finding out that every human being and every body is very different. I've done blood work and food sensitivity work. We've talked about this. Certainly my body freaks out to soybeans. That's not an unhealthy thing, but like soy sauce or I mean, right. Oh, that's causing problems, which actually inflames your blood, which actually creates more problems. And like my liver's kind of struggling. And so like you add up some of these things, it's, Oh, that's what's going on for me. Like, it's not just all in my mind that like I'm struggling. It's like, there's some science behind it. And once I've discovered that now I know myself more and I can protect myself. And even on my list is like pork bothers my, onions bother my system. It's not like we all understand, okay, if I eat a pound of cake every day, I understand that. But if I'm eating pork and onions and soy all the time, none of those things I would consider bad. It's like my body would be very unhappy. And learning that like liberated me, I'm like, oh wow. And I start to pay attention to that. And I start feeling better. And then I start being able to look at myself in the mirror, even with the belly. And I'm like, I love this body. I'm grateful for this body. I'm grateful for this arm. I'm grateful for all the parts that are me. And to me, that's like the first step in the journey of just like giving yourself unconditional permission to just whether it's mental, emotional, physical, just full love and acceptance for who you are. And like life changes at that moment. It's beautiful.
1: Good words right there, man. Very good words. I have one final question here for you, Mr. Tucker. But before I do, and I know it's going to be, you're going to have a good answer to it. I already know. Before I do, I just want to acknowledge you, brother, just how you just show up for yourself as well as for Leah, your wife, and also for so many other people, man. Like you are, like I shared with you, or like you shared earlier, I had a pretty serious life change and you were one of my first calls, man. And I think you are also one of the first calls for many people. And I love how you are thinking about the world of you are changing what wealth is. You are changing your life to not just be about yourself, but so much more. And you really are bringing out and bringing forth a lot in many different types of ways. And I just, you're 29, I think, if I'm not mistaken.
0: 30.
1: You're 30. You're officially 30. Welcome to the club, man. It's a good <laughs> one to be here. And got a long way to go. And I'm excited to be on that journey with you and just to see how it evolves and how it continues to, to come about. And it's special, bro. It's very special. So here's my final question for you. The show is called The Rising Leader Podcast. What do you view as the rising leader?
0: Oh, man, that just hit different. Like we talked a little bit before we started about, hey, here we're going on. and But man... What is my view of what is the rising? I feel the rising leader is someone who is more present. Someone who, I'm not going to say who's done the work. I'm going to say who does the work. It never ends. Someone who cares. Someone who does not lead with fear, which is so embedded in corporate culture. But strives, hey, there might be a little fear from time to time, but strives to lead with love. The rising leader is attuned to frequencies of humans. Hmm. It's an interesting comment, but that is to me, I think the old school leader was just focused on the number and are we performing? But like the rising leader is focused and attuned to frequency and what's happening around them and how to really show up for people in different ways. They're empowered. I think the rising leader is striving to become financially independent. As well. I think the final thing I'll say too is like, The rising leader is 100% completely authentically them. Not some version that they were told to be, but like those leaders that just strike a chord. It's like they are so them. And yes, that doesn't mean we can't work on our craft and improve and get opinions and things from other people. But it's like, what are my gifts and how do I deliver them to other human beings? What things do I need to clear in my life that are preventing energy from coming through so I can give my gifts to other human beings? That's the rising leader. It's different. And they're showing up today, here and there. I think in the future, we'll see them more and more. And I think there's a massive shift. We're starting to see. It started in different forms and ways, culturally. Now it's definitely moving into the workspace. Said my friend.
1: Said, "Hey, man! Thank you so much for being on the show. As always, it's wonderful to check in. And next time we do this, hopefully, we'll do it in person and some nice comfy chairs like you got there." Yeah. To all the listeners, thank you for joining us, as always. And hopefully, you got a couple of nuggets here. And Kyle, last thing is, if people want to get a hold of you, how do they do so?
0: Great question. On Instagram at the Kyle Tucker underscore. I might change. To just kyle tucker or the kyle tucker we're trying to buy the name but right now it's at the kyle tucker underscore i look if you're just listening on this podcast you're not watching i look like a viking so if you look like this viking guy this, i'm not like a suit and tie kind of guy so i'm your kind of your wood advisor and it will change your life together and really at the end of the day it's not we it's you're going to change your life and you probably already are And i'm just there to be an accomplice and a really good aid along the way yeah wonderful
1: awesome Thank you, Kyle, and have a great day, everybody.
0: Okay, thank you.
1: Thanks for listening to the Rising Leader Podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button so you get notified every time a new episode releases. If you know someone who wants to take their lives and their career to the next level, send them this episode so we can all rise together. For more information, check out alluviance.co. We'll see you next time. And in the meantime, keep letting it flow. This episode is brought to you by Alluvians. Alluvians is helping sales professionals and sales leaders master the craft of sales by transforming the inner game. In the past 12 months, we've thrown over four retreats and impacted over 100 tech sales professionals, leaders, and founders on diving in deep on what really matters, but really mastering the craft and being in an incredible community. Our next Arise Immersion is coming up this May 3rd through 5th in the beautiful Austin, Texas area, and make sure you grab your spot. Check out alluvians.co to apply there. Hope to see you there.